0: What was it that made you click on this episode? Take time out of your busy day to listen to the 7 Figures podcast. A lot of people, a lot of women really want to feel like they have some control. They want that peace of mind of, okay, everything's going to be okay financially in the future. But it takes some planning. There are things that you should consider doing now while you're still working to ensure that you will be able to retire and retire comfortably. This is Seven Figures, Smart Money Strategies for Women. I am Sandy Waters. The goal today is to help you with the plan. I'm a neurotic planner. I need it all to be written down, outlined step by step. Just tell me what I need to do. So pull up a new note in your phone or write it down on your monthly planner Here is your to-do list. Before we bring in our expert today, I want to say thank you to Family First Credit Union for supporting the Seven Figures podcast. They are wonderful over there. All right, let's get to it. We cash in with our expert, Eric Brotman, who is a CFP and the CEO of the Brotman Financial Group. Thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have some fun. A
0: financial party. Here we go. Hey,
1: listen, (laughs) is there any other kind of party? (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) All right, so we need to plan out our to-do list, what we need to be doing today, the steps we need to take in order to alleviate some of that money stress when we retire. But first, let's learn about you. How did you get to the point where you are today?
1: I started working at, at 12, and I always liked having an income and having disposable income. I understood that in middle school, which is silly. And whether it was mowing lawns or shoveling driveways or flipping burgers once I was 14, I always wanted to have a job. I always wanted to be in the sort of the crush of things. And I always wanted to feel like I had money for things that I wanted. I never wanted to have to ask for money. Was
0: it because your parents instilled that in you?
1: Absolutely not. In fact, in fact, my folks didn't want me to work. Oh, they said school is your job. You should concentrate on that and do better in school, which is a a, a common refrain. Um, And had my, you know, my academics suffered from the fact that I was working it would have created a different dynamic, but they didn't. And so um, I, I was able to do both. And I think it's real important to have that um, that work experience, even if it's just learning the things you don't want to do when you grow up. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I was a I was a stock boy in a clothing store and was climbing ladders. And, of course, this is before smartphones and, and barcodes and everything else. And I was using tick marks in a clipboard to count shirts in a warehouse. Like, These are not glamorous jobs, and they paid $3.35 an hour at that. Oh my gosh, how funny is that? So now I'm dating myself because you could work 20 hours a week and make 60 bucks. I was like,
0: back in my day.
1: Back in my (laughs) day, that was pizza money, though, because I didn't have any bills. So there was that.
0: I should play the old time music for you right now. Okay. Uh, You know,
1: all right, cry me a river. This hurt.
0: (laughs) So, okay, so that's funny, though, because we all joke, all of us parents joke that, you know, you tell your kid to do one thing and they'll do the complete opposite. So it might have been a psychological thing that your parents were pulling on you.
1: Yeah, don't go. Don't go to work, really. I actually think it was, um, the the intentions were bona fide and they were legitimate and they were reasonable. I just, I never liked being told, I still don't like being told what to do. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, so fast forward, one of the reasons why, I started a company is, frankly, I don't always play well in the sandbox that somebody else's sandbox.
0: Oh, you are a riot. Okay, at least you're self-aware. I like that.
1: Okay. Well, and, and I do have business partners, and they're fantastic, and they hold me accountable, and we work together, and it's a really good dynamic. But I, I have not had a traditional boss since I was a year out of college. And that first year of, of work, and I actually had a boss who I really liked. She was uh, dynamic and strong and impressive. Uh, and the way the company treated us, it was a big brokerage firm. And the way the company treated us was like pawns in their chess match completely expendable, wildly underpaid, wildly overworked. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to do that, I'm going to find a place where I can eat what I kill. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm going to find a place where I can go build something that's, that's for me. And so I, I, I found the financial industry um, a little bit by accident because my plan was to go to law school. I was in the legal department at a brokerage firm and thought I'd go to law school and wound up falling in love with finance. And uh, and so I, I've now been at this 25 years, wow. and which is shocking. Um, and at the same time, um, started the company 15 years ago. We're celebrating our 15th anniversary this Halloween because when else would you incorporate? But that's on right. Halloween. Um, so we're having a big 15th anniversary open house and so forth. And of course, you're invited. Um, and that's one of those things where I, I realized fairly early on I, I needed to, to be creative and be an entrepreneur and not necessarily be a manager. I'm an awful manager of people. Awful. So I I think I'm a terrific leader and a lousy boss. You know, I I feel like I have hundreds of bosses called clients, which is different because now now we represent those families and we take Mm. it very, very seriously and it's very personal. um, And I strongly prefer that to feeling like, uh, uh, you know, like I have a traditional boss. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on your anniversary.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming up next month.
0: Now, when we think of people in the financial industry, the go-to thought for a lot of people is, oh, they're loaded. I'll never make that much money. Millions and millions. And the more and more that I talk to people who are, quote, financially savvy individuals, live Pretty much a modest lifestyle. They they have a budget like we all do. It, it not necessarily is, hey, you have to bring home millions in order to retire. You don't have to bring home millions in order to retire comfortably.
1: No, you have to avoid adverse debt. You have to spend less than you make, no matter what that number is. Um, I mean, wealth is a relative term and a loaded term. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I we've had we've had clients we've worked with who have by anyone's measure, Um, modest incomes but have become very wealthy people we also know folks who make more money than you can possibly fathom and at the same time they um, at the same time they have uh, no you know no money to rub together they can't put together a hundred dollars
0: One of our very first podcast episodes was uh, with a bankruptcy judge, John Ninfau, and he was fantastic. He would say it was alarming all the people who should have millions of dollars were standing in front of him claiming bankruptcy because they just mismanaged their money.
1: Uh, Well, and it it happens all the time and they live bigger than they need to and they're keeping up with the Joneses and it's flashy. You know, in, in Texas, they call that big hat, no cattle. Essentially, what that means is that you're you're strutting around like you own the joint, but you really uh, you don't. And and I think so much about money is has been impacted by things like social media. I mean, there's always been a keeping up with the Joneses. You always wanted your shutters to look nicer than your neighbor's shutters. Mm -hmm. I, I get all of that. But those were relatively modest compared to today, where it feels like if you're not in Aruba, you've done something wrong. Yeah,
0: well, that's true. So, okay, so now that we said all this. Look at your bank account and don't get nervous now. Now, no matter what, how much money you have in there, it is feasible for you to be able to retire comfortably. But we got to make, we got to strategize a little bit, depending on where you are and everyone's at a different point. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see people either prior to retirement or once they retire that are making?
1: The biggest one is retiring too soon
0: Mm. and too
1: abruptly. Retirement is, is, Historically, is an, an awful process, and I, I actually think it's bad for you, and I know that makes me bizarre. It is, because I but am
0: for, dying for that day to come.
1: I would submit to you that, that quantitatively, if you're financially independent, yeah. and then you find something to do, whether it's for income or not for income, that you love, you're retired, even if you're busy. You know this this idea that, that you know Otto von Bismarck uh, uh, created retirement in the 1860s and the the reason he did was to find a way to put old people out to pasture because he felt they weren't useful anymore. I mean the the concept of retirement is one to retreat or disappear it it is it is essentially being rendered worthless and, and who wants that? It's also the last milestone we have in our lives really before the, before the last one. <laughs> Right. The the, the, the end date on our on our obituary. So it's not I don't think it's I don't think it's good for you. I think the idea that um, that you're retreating from something is is old world and a terrible idea because to retire at 60 or 65 and live to be 107. What are you going to do for 40 years?
0: That relieves some of the pressure, too, because when you say retire at 65, now you got to fund those handful of years and it used to be just a small handful now yeah you're right you're living 20 plus years after
1: well and and think about think about things like our social safety net social security that we fund our entire working lives in the u.s right mm-hmm. if you think about it it was created at a time where people would hit the workforce right out of high school they hit the workforce at 18 very few went to college they would work till they were 60 or 62 or 65 which was considered elderly and they were dead by 72 yeah Well, first of all, 65 isn't elderly. It used to be, I grant you, but it's not anymore. There are 60-year-olds starting companies and creating nonprofits and doing amazing things with more energy than you and I might have. That's true. So I I think we need to rethink this idea that there's some magic age. The Social Security age is one of math and politics. It is not one of real life. And the idea that, well, I'm eligible at 62, I think I'm going to quit You know, the days of working for a company for 30 years, getting a gold watch and a pension that would cover almost everything are Uh long gone. Yeah. We're all free agents. And millennials have a special problem. Um, And I pick on millennials a lot, um, but I also have great respect for the generation because they're changing the world in a lot of positive ways. But um, in this regard, they change jobs every three years or so. And when you do that, you never vest in your benefits. So... Every place you go, you're leaving money on the table. All those matches and the 401Ks and all the things that you're receiving, you're leaving behind. A lot of times it's based on salary, and that's not the only component to success. I think the, the millennials realize that, Social security may or may not exist and may or may not exist for them and certainly won't cover much. Mm-hmm. And they're never going to have a pension, which means they're fully on their own. OK, so they realize that you believe they know they're okay. on their own. They know they, which is why so many millennials have side hustles. They have a second job. Yeah, Well, that's a good point. Sure. You know, the, the best way I know of to wind up bankrupt other than a medical catastrophe, which which sadly happens to a lot of folks. Best way I know to wind up bankrupt and in trouble is either to spend more than you make or to have an extended period of unemployment that sinks your ship. Mm. and by having your skills constantly refreshed and by having that side hustle that so many millennials do it keeps you earning it keeps you paying the rent and and not blowing your credit just because a, a company decides to downsize
0: 401k ira roth ira everybody they kind of know what it's about but they're not sure a lot of people confuse ira and roth ira should i have it i'm 20 do i need that can you clarify all that
1: of course, um, though we're going to need three shows. I no, know, um, right? <laughs> uh, the, 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 the first thing to know is that a 401k or 403v or 457 or some of the various plans that are under the Internal Revenue Code are employer-sponsored plans. IRAs are individual retirement accounts. So let's start with that. One of them is through your company, and one of them is through your personal, your personal planning. Okay? Okay. Um, And then there are two types of those accounts, two main types. There's others, but two main types, and that is those that are traditional and those that are Roth. A traditional IRA and a traditional 401k are taxed identically. And what that means is you get a deduction for your contributions. You get deferral of any taxes while it grows. You don't pay any taxes uh, until you make withdrawals. And then when you make withdrawals, every dollar is taxable like it was a paycheck. In a Roth, you're foregoing the tax deduction on the way in. But not only does the money grow with no taxes, as long as you wait until you're of age, which is 59 and a half, and follow various rules, you never pay taxes not only on the gains, but even on the withdrawals at all.
0: Because you pay taxes up front.
1: Correct. So if you're putting $5,000 a year into a plan, and you're 20 years old, and you don't have a high income tax, and you can afford to pay the income tax rates now, and you grow that $5,000 to $100,000 over the course of 40 years, the $100,000 is not taxable to you when you're, A, going to be in a higher tax bracket, and B, it's a a lot more money. So for young people and for folks who have relatively modest incomes and aren't in the taxman's uh, crosshairs, the Roth makes a ton of sense.
0: Should you have a little bit of everything? Not necessarily. Okay.
1: Um, I, I think there's, there's a, a tendency to think that we've got to check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true. Um, you, you certainly want to participate in your company's plan. People should absolutely, especially if there's a match or a profit share or a safe harbor contribution or something being made on your behalf, know what you have to contribute in order to get the maximum from your company because that is truly a free raise.
0: And the HR person at your company should have those answers for you or there's a phone number to call and they're very helpful. So well yes. Don't make that feel like, oh, I don't know what that means. Because even the word investing scares people because it sounds above their knowledge. There are people that are paid to help you navigate. That's true.
1: Okay. That's true. And you don't have to you no longer have to pick your own investments in these plans. A lot of these plans have what are called target retirement date funds where you, you, they literally will manage a bucket of, uh, of securities that are age-appropriate based on your, your time horizon, so you don't have to think about it. It's not like you're picking A versus B and going, oh, is it a good time to be in emerging markets? Well, no one's <laughs> expecting you to do that. In yeah. fact, I, I would argue that the 401K, when it was invented, was not to benefit employees, but it was to benefit employers because it got employers off the hook for pensions. Ah. This was never an employee benefit. This was a benefit for businesses to get them off the hook of the pensions that is currently sinking lots of state governments. Uh-huh. So employees have to know what the rules are. They have to do it themselves. And if they don't, the employer goes, "Hey, we gave you everything. Sorry." Okay. Yeah.
0: Prioritize definitely 401k.
1: Definitely. If there's a if there's a plan at work, definitely take advantage of it, and absolutely put in enough to maximize your match. And then know what the vesting schedule is. Try to stay long enough to, to actually vest. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you give back the whole match or part of it.
0: Okay. So that's another question to ask HR. Now, so right underneath that...
1: Once you've done the 401k, what I would say is if you have any personal debt, consumer debt, anything like that, that's when you got to chip out of that. That's student loans, which are a, a real problem. It's credit cards. It's anything consumers. It doesn't mean uh, a mortgage on a home. It doesn't mean uh, a loan to start a business. If there's leverage being used, if it's an asset, that's fine. But if it's the, the pair of skis you bought last winter and you're still paying 18% on them, that's a problem. We've got to get rid of that. So before you start saving anything outside of, of what that match is going to be and that, that maximum match is going to be, it's debt reduction and then it's building an emergency fund. That's third. Okay. Have a cash cushion. First of all, you'll sleep better at night if there's a little money in the bank. And second of all, if you suddenly need four tires or a washer and dryer, it doesn't sink the ship.
0: You're not thinking about a GoFundMe page.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: And they say six months? That sounds overwhelming to some people. A lot um, of money.
1: If if you're in a two-income household, it can be three. Because at that point, really, the big issue is you're not both going to be unemployed at the same time. Unless, I guess, you both work for the same company. Mm, okay. Um, you know, it, the, the reason to have the emergency fund, the biggest one, is unemployment. Because it's one of those things you really can't insure for. And the unemployment dollars that you, you pay into and that you collect are... Generally, not nearly enough to pay your bills.
0: As uncomfortable as it may be, let's talk about planning your will, will and testament. Do you find that's why a lot of people aren't doing it right or crossing their, you know, T's, dotting their I's, because it is such a tough conversation to have?
1: I don't know that it's that they're not doing it right or that they just don't think they need to worry about it yet. Uh, Uh, People a lot of times wait until they have kids. And even then, we've seen people, we've seen people even who are attorneys who don't have those documents done. I know it's emotional, but but let's face it. We're all here, we're all mortal, to the best of my knowledge. And that means we're going to have to deal with some of those things. I would say we have our clients get basic financial planning documents and estate documents for their kids as soon as they're of the age of majority. So once you're, in most states, 18 years old, Mom and dad no longer have any right to talk to a physician on your behalf or a bank on your behalf. You're an adult. You can't have a Budweiser yet, but you can make life and death decisions. Oh, so what that means is you have to have those kids name someone, and typically it's one or both parents, name someone so they can present it at a hospital or at a financial institution and say, I- I'm here on behalf of my son or daughter. Because once they're adults, those parental rights are gone. And so when, when you... Have kids, take them to your estate attorney. It'll cost you an hour's worth of time. It's not expensive. And have basic documents done for your kids um, that they will then at least learn to do this, and they'll change them when their life moves on. You know, the wills are important, but they're the least important document for people unless they have children. Because what the will is designed to do is name those folks who handle your estate, name those folks who receive your property, none of which is important when you're 23, you don't have any property most cases. But once you have kids, what the wills do that's much more important than that is it names guardians for your children and trustees for your children. The guardians are those people your kids would live with if you're in a car accident and aren't here tomorrow. Who are your kids going to live with? They're three and five. Are they going to their aunt? Are they going to their their your brother-in-law? Or are they going to the court system to decide?
0: And if you haven't decided all this, if you do not have a will, what happens?
1: If you don't have a will, the state, whatever state you live in, has a plan for you, and generally you won't like it. Even if you're married and you don't have a will, your spouse does not automatically take all of your property. Um, and if you happen to have kids but also living parents, some of your property in a lot of states would go up to your parents, who may not need the money, and who would then be taxed on it in a different way than having it go to your kids. There's lots of problems with letting a courthouse decide your fate.
0: All right, so you really need, I mean, you got to put this on your priority list. Everyone should
1: have them. They don't have to be expensive. And for Pete's sake, don't do them yourself. Don't take out a cocktail napkin or or, or type up something on Microsoft Word. Please, see a professional. And and, and I'm saying this from a position of I'm not an attorney. I have an attorney. uh, And I pay someone to do it like everybody else. But have them and have them done well. And then put them in a drawer and review them every five years or so or anytime you have a major life change. Just not that big a deal.
0: Is that the big hurdle is to justify the expense because there's so many expenses in our life, and when you say the word attorney, I can't even imagine how much that's going to cost. And that's what people are thinking. Is that, what, uh, is that one of the factors of why people don't act quick enough
1: on getting I, this done? I think cost is an issue, but it's not the issue. The issue is prioritization. It's not a fun conversation, so it's one we put off. Mm. It's kind of like you push, you know, you're a kid, you push the asparagus around your plate, but you're you're <laughs> ready to get that cupcake. Yeah. I mean, at some point you have to take... You have to take some of those steps. And if you do it right, and if you have a financial advisor who looks at everything with you, if you have a CFP who does that, your CFP, in his or her wisdom, is going to make sure that you've engaged an attorney or is going to be darn sure that they harass you about it constantly.
0: How much on average, because I know it it varies town to town, state to state, but how much on average do you think is a fair price for a will and
1: testament? Well, if you're doing, if you're a married couple. You're going to have eight documents, okay? So you're each going to have wills. That's two. You're each going to have financial powers of attorney. You're each going to have uh, living wills, and you're each going to have advanced medical directives. The living wills and advanced medical directives are those things that allow you to not only say who can speak to physicians on your behalf if you're in a coma or or what have you, but also names your wishes. You don't want to be in a situation where the, the doctors are keeping you alive on machines if that wasn't your wish. That's miserable, Right? So um, you're going to have eight documents. Typically, the least expensive I've seen, um, while still being a decent job, is about $800. Okay. And I've seen them at $10,000, but that's when you have really complicated situations and trusts and spendthrifts and and life insurance trusts and all different kinds of things. For a simple set of documents, it should not have a comma in it. It should be less than $1,000 and not a big deal if it's really simple if you're 25 years old and you just got married and you're thinking about starting a family and you're going to do something simple that's what it is typically when you're an adult and you've got kids and parents and assets and those things more like 3000
0: and then to review it you have to pay every time to go look it over
1: yeah uh, you do but it's you're talking $200 for an hour a time usually okay and it's every 5 years okay you know that, I mean that's not going to move that's the, the reason, to, and even if you do them and you never review them, it's better than not doing them at all.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Because okay. wills never expire until you do. The other documents do get stale. So it's important to review them periodically and make sure that they're fresh because, let's face it, the laws in every state and in the federal system change constantly, whether it's healthcare or financial or, or what have you. And you've you got to make sure your documents fit the, the rules.
0: Okay, we might have to invite you back in to nag us and make sure we did our, our homework.
1: <laughs> I, I am a world-class nag.
0: <laughs> Every month you check back in. Did you guys do your work yet? <laughs>
1: no, no, not, not, not even that. I want you to send me copies. I want to read them.
0: Okay, you got it. Eric, this has been great. We have to invite you back in soon.
1: Uh, anytime. I would love it. And um, all of the types of information we're talking about are available online on our website, um, particularly the tax piece. Um, if you don't mind a shameless plug, sure. we got a, I, I published an ebook that is a free resource at lowtaxbook.com. Download it; it's free, and it talks about the Roth IRAs and 529 plans and other kinds of strategies that you can use to lower your tax bill. And then just on BrotmanFinancial.com, we have a, a load of resources, and I'm always happy to chat with folks who, who love your show, too. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Eric Brotman, CEO of the Brotman Financial Group, BrotmanFinancial.com. Next week on the 7 Figures Podcast, this isn't your mom's work environment anymore. How we need to adapt. Thank you again for being a part of our fast-growing group here. A key to financial success is to hang out with like-minded people. So here we are together. We're in this together, helping each other out. If there's a financial question that you have that we have yet to touch on in the show, let me know. If there's some financial expertise, something that you can teach all of us, please reach out to me. We'd love to have you on the show. Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.